Welcome to the podcast for Sunday, December 3rd, 2017, the first Sunday in Advent. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Just a quick note before the sermon starts. Because we're using lots of video clips in the series uh, during the month of December, we're unable to play the audio version of that. You'll have to go to YouTube or pull out your own Christmas movies and follow along. Now let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's no secret that I love movies. It could be uh, part of the reason I was a theater major at the University of Hawaii in college. Uh, but it also could just be that I love stories. And I think movies are, uh, have become one of the prime storytelling avenues in today's culture. But stories have been around for centuries, right? From the beginning that people could talk to one another, they started telling stories. And the Bible is full of stories. Stories that we as Christians believe lead to life and love and hope. Uh, building upon the popular Faith in Disney sermon series that I've done uh, once each year since I've been here so far, I thought, you know, maybe I can connect Christmas movies with the Advent season. And so welcome to a new series called Christmas, the Director's Cut, the Christmas story seen through the lens of Hollywood. And each week during the month of December, uh, leading up to Christmas Eve morning, evening, and the uh, New Year's Eve as well, I'm going to have a different Christmas film. Many of them you've probably seen before. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you've heard about them. And we're going to look at elements of the film, see if we can find some underlying truths that lead us to the true Christmas story. Christmas is still 22 days away, uh, and all of us have lots of things to do. Uh, There's many preparations we have to make in our households to get ready for Christmas morning, uh, as I was mentioning with the children, putting up Christmas trees and lights. How many have your trees uh, and lights up? How many are planning on getting around to it sometime in the next few weeks? Yeah. Each year, we don't have a tradition. Like, some families do, like, the day after Thanksgiving they start or certain Sundays. We just kind of, whenever... Actually, our tradition has become, put it up before the women come over for the women's Christmas party. That's, that's what our new tradition has, has really been, right? Uh, and then you've got the whole mailing list for right, Christmas cards and pictures. And when do you take the, and now we have kids that are out of the house. We have to have them send us pictures or we wait until they're here. And then we send Christmas letters out in like February. So, you know, it's all. And, and then we've got our Christmas shopping, right? And the, the list of the people that you want to buy for. And then you wrap them. And then sometimes you have to mail them. Uh, you're getting ready to host or to attend Christmas parties. Some of us will be traveling over the holidays. There's just so many things that have to be done between now and December 25th. But there's also lots to be done spiritually as we prepare for Christmas. And the Christian church over the centuries has developed this season of preparation known as Advent. Beginning around the 5th century A.D., the church began to set aside six weeks to prepare for the coming of Jesus. It was modeled after the season of Lent, the six weeks of preparation leading up to the celebration of Easter. And then over time, it was reduced to the current four-week observance that we now have. The word Advent is taken from the Latin word, which means coming or arrival. And there are two meanings of that word during this Advent season for us as Christians. The first, of course, is the coming and the arrival of Christ Jesus, the, the, the Messiah who came in the form of a helpless baby so long ago. But then there's also the coming of Jesus again in final glory, uh, what some people call the second coming, end times or judgment day, that time when all of creation will be reconciled with God once again. 
Traditionally, the first Sunday in Advent has been the Sunday to think about this second definition of Advent, the preparing ourselves for our ultimate reunion with God and all of creation. Our text for this morning comes from the Hebrew Scriptures, the book of Isaiah. Now, let me give you a little bit on the history that helps set the stage so you understand just how powerful this reading can be. When King David reigned in Jerusalem, Israel was finally united as one nation. Prior to that, they had been a loose confederation of the 12 different tribes of Israel. David's son Solomon ascended the throne next, and the country lived in peace for quite some time. But when his son got ready to assume the throne, the nation split in two. The north became known as Israel. The south became Judah. And what followed for centuries was king after king after king, who for the most part did not follow God's will and did not lead the people along God's pathways. Around 598 uh, BC, the Babylonians invaded. They destroyed Jerusalem, including tearing down the temple that David's son Solomon had built. They carried away many of the Israelites, the young people, the best and the brightest, those who had the most going for them, were taken away from their families and their homeland and forced to live in captivity in Babylon. For close to 70 years, an entire generation was raised away from Israel, away from home, and they wondered, will they ever be able to return? The prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel spoke God's word to these people who were in captivity. Words that not only caused them to look at their past, their sinful past, not just them, but their parents and their ancestors before them. What was it that allowed, that God allowed them to be taken over by the Babylonians? But also it was mixed with words of new life and hope and restoration. Our text for today from Isaiah 35 is that second part, those words of hope. To a people who have been beaten, battered, and worn. To people who have felt separated from their home, from each other. And most of all, they felt like they have been separated from God. To them comes these words of the prophet Isaiah. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. So strengthen weak hands and make firm feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. These were words of hope, of comfort, and of return and encouragement. The first movie we're going to be looking at in our Advent season is Elf. It seems like it's been around forever, but it just came out in 2003. It stars comedian Will Ferrell. Ferrell is a human named Buddy who was raised by elves in Santa's workshop. Given up for adoption as a child, Buddy was living in an orphanage one Christmas Eve when the man in the big red suit uh, came walking in. Well, while Santa was eating cookies and milk, Buddy climbed out of his crib and scooted across the floor right into Santa's bag. And you can imagine the surprise of the North Pole when they discovered this little stowaway that came back with Santa. Now, in this first cliff, uh, Papa Elf, played by Bob Newhart, is uh, telling us about the challenges that Buddy had growing up as a human among elves. Let's watch. Apprentice, that's right. And as you can imagine, as he got older, Buddy began to realize, wait a minute, I'm not exactly like all the other elves. Uh, And he discovers that his biological father, uh, a man named Walter Hobbs, uh, played by James Caan, lives in a faraway distant place called New York City. 
And after consulting with his snowman friend, Leon, Buddy decides to go on this epic quest to find his birth father. In this clip, Santa is giving Buddy last-minute instructions for his journey. Yeah, so Buddy begins his epic journey to New York City in search of his father. And it doesn't take very long to see why Walter, his father, is on the naughty list. He's a publishing executive for a children's book company. And you find out he doesn't really care about publishing or about children. He's just concerned with making money. In fact, to borrow the name of a character we'll be looking at next week, he really is a Scrooge when it comes to Christmas. Here's a scene uh, where when Buddy makes it to New York, he connects with Walter and his family. He stays at their house, and the next morning uh, offers to make breakfast for the entire family. And although Walter's wife Emily and their son Michael have, have been receptive to Buddy's presence with them, Walter is not exactly overflowing with affection for this son that he never knew he even had until the day before. Let's watch. Ah, yes. Well, the more time he spends in the big city, the more Buddy can't understand why his family, nor most of the people that he meets, uh, have lost the Christmas spirit that was so prevalent back home in the North Pole. Buddy gets a job working at Gimbel's department store as an elf in the toy section, and it's there that he meets the beautiful but reserved Jovi, who seems a bit hesitant to embrace the spirit of Christmas herself. You know, as I was thinking about this film, I saw connections between the people living in New York City, especially uh, Buddy's dad, Walter, and the Hebrews living in exile for which Isaiah was writing to. You see, the joy of life, that sense of passion and purpose seemed to have passed many of them by. Like his Hebrew counterparts, Walter was living in the desert, in in a wilderness, in captivity, if you will. He was in that place that none of us ever intentionally set out to go, but sometimes circumstances of life just lead us there, a place where the joy, hope, and love and kindness in our life seem to have vanished. But the good news of Isaiah 35 and the good news of the movie Elf to me is that God is working on a pathway to take us out of those places, out of those dry wilderness, those spiritual dark nights of the soul, and bring us back to God. Isaiah 35, 5 to 8 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray, but the redeemed shall walk there. I love this image, this idea of an unencumbered roadway for us to travel on. And and, and in Isaiah's community, they saw this twofold. First, in the road home that they would eventually be able to go back to Israel, to the land of their birth. But also, that the road that the Messiah would use when God sent him to earth to make everything right for God's people. So as we begin to get ready for the celebration of Christmas, we need to ask ourselves, are we even looking for that road? Are we looking for the road to take us back home to God? Because more than anything else, God wants to be in relationship with us. And God works on a daily basis to help clear the obstacles out of our lives that keep us from returning to God with our whole hearts. For some of us, just being here in church today is a major step forward in finding our way back home. For others, God is a part of our life, yes, but it's just one of the parts. And and maybe some of us haven't made God the top priority in our life yet. This Advent season might be a chance to move God up a notch in our order. In the movie, I see Buddy 
as the road. He's the one that helps take the obstacles away in people's lives that they seem to have, obstacles that keep them from embracing the true spirit of Christmas the way it was meant to be. His joyful and childlike exuberance is contagious. Later on the film, as he and Jovi had started this relationship, they decide to go out on their very first date. And so he picks her up, and they go have a cup of the world's best coffee, but he believes everything he sees, and the sign said, world's best coffee, so it must be. Then Buddy takes her to one of his favorite pastimes, the revolving doors outside of hotels. Well, there's no way that I can relate all of the things that happen in the movie in the short time that we have together. But over the course of the movie, through Buddy's life and actions, his family and friends come to see what it was that they had been missing about Christmas in their lives. But faced with constant uh, criticism, rejection, and pushback, near the end of the film, Buddy decides the best thing for him is to go back to the North Pole. So he starts the long journey home. And worried that they've lost him forever, it takes a malfunction on Santa's sleigh to bring Buddy and his family back together. In the scene that follows, Walter and Michael have stumbled upon one of Santa's rocket boosters that fell off the sleigh when he was over Central Park. And when Buddy appears, they all realize things that need to be said to each other. Well, Santa's in a heap of trouble. He has a broken down sleigh in Central Park. That's one thing. But there's also an all-time low of the spirit of Christmas in New York City. So in this scene, Santa is talking to Michael about the power of Christmas spirit. I love that line, uh, not the one about the paparazzi, that was a good one, but that Christmas spirit is about believing, not seeing. I think the same could be said in the church, right? The Christmas spirit, true Christmas spirit, the spirit of love that transcends time and space and comes to us in the flesh, in the presence of baby Jesus, comes so that we might have life, have life in its abundance, This Christmas spirit is what we need to be believing in, even though we may never have seen concrete proof like the paparazzi try to give for so many other things. See, the prophet Isaiah knew that the people who had grown up in captivity didn't have a lot to hope in. They were used to being full of disappointment and despair, so God spoke a word of hope into their wilderness surroundings. Fear not, a highway is being made to bring you back a holy way, home where you belong. Isaiah 35.10 reminds us, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. How many of us need that this Christmas? With the challenges in our life, the ups and the downs, the relationships, the health issues, the stress over jobs or no jobs, finances, so many things are pulling our hearts away from God. And God says, allow me to bring you home this Christmas. How did things end for Buddy and his New York City family? Well, uh, the effect of his life on the lives of others was unmistakable. Uh, Let's watch how the movie ends. And every character you see in these closing shots all had interacted with Buddy at one Uh, moment or time throughout the film. Remember code number three of the elves? The best way of spreading Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Now, many of you know I'm a huge Disney fan. I have an annual pass. I try to get down at least once or twice a month. Uh, By the way, this is this year's um, popcorn Christmas bucket. It's called the Ugly Sweater Pluto. And for women coming to the Christmas party, you'll see it in my bathroom uh, this week. Disneyland officially kicked off their Christmas season on Friday, November 10th. 
over three weeks ago. Now, I'm usually the kind of person that gets a little bit put off when you go into a a department store or mall, and uh, prior to Thanksgiving, they've got Christmas decorations up and music playing. It always feels so commercial and contrived, but now that I've become a Disney uh, pass holder, I'm I'm starting to think things a little bit differently, right? I've already been thinking about and preparing for the Christmas sermon series, looking through all the movies, deciding which ones I want to pick, reading different scriptures, thinking about the message of Christmas and how it fits in. So when Disney started decking the halls on November 10th, and I've been there twice since then, once on the 17th and then last Friday, you know, my heart was ready to fa-la-la-la-la, if you know what I mean, Right? And I think that's the message for me this year from Elf, that Buddy, having been raised by elves in the North Pole, grew up with Christmas being a year-round observance, right? That was the number one uh, Elf motto, treat every day like Christmas. And it wasn't just December 25th. It's not just the season between Thanksgiving and December 25th. Christmas for Buddy was something that he lived, breathed, loved, and embodied every day of the year. His joy about it was contagious. So what about us? Is Christmas something that's just a seasonal occurrence for us? And I'm not talking about the Santa and the gifts and the toys and those types of things. But I'm wondering if we get to December 25th and then we're ready to to box up and pack up the spirit of Christmas along with our holiday decorations and lights. Isaiah 35 makes it clear that this is something we are meant to be in all the time. And that the highway, that road for wherever we are, wherever all of God's people are, is being made to come back to God. For us in the church and for those outside the churches as well. We are all God's children. And who are those people that just push your buttons and you are so not excited about spending Christmas in and around them? That highway is for them too. And the people that you just think are the worst of the worst, God said there's even a way for them to come back as well. The question is, are we living in that expectation every day? I love the part in Isaiah that says, not even fools will find their, will get lost on the road. All will be able to come back. Because I know that if you're like me, uh, sometimes you make less than wise choices. And God says, okay, you're not even going to be able to wander off. I'm making this road for all of you to come back to me. So this Advent season, friends, let us be intentional about journeying back to God about coming on that holy way. And may that spirit of Christmas, of Jesus' living presence in our lives, not just for us, but to change us and to change the world in which we live, may that be a year-long passion for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.